Hey, what's up? This is Bill Burr, and you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder. Um, keep listening, because if you're like me, you have nothing better to do. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Monroe Martin on growing up in foster care and going to several different schools in Philadelphia. One of my best friends went to a Catholic school all his life. He had white friends, but my other friends didn't have white friends. So they kind of, to them, whenever we went to hang out and my uh, best friend bought his white friends from Catholic school, you will watch the switch. We'll hear more from Monroe in just a bit. It's a happy ending. Don't worry about it. We have a song of the week coming up from Lindy Ortega. But first, we have a, well, someone, uh, we have a special guest that calls in. Check it out. So if you follow comedians on social media, particularly Facebook, possibly Twitter or Instagram, you've uh, seen the controversy over this uh, fellow calls himself a fat Jew or big fat Jew. I'm not sure what it is, actually. Uh, Josh Ostrowski is his real name. And apparently he is a joke thief. He has been uh, posting all of these things on Instagram and Twitter and uh, particularly for years and years. And he just lists other people's material and passes it off as, it own, as his own. And he's uh, now gotten a, a management contract with CCA, a big management company out there in Los Angeles. He had a Comedy Central pilot, which has since been scuttled. Comedy Central says it has nothing to do with his thievery that they had scuttled the project a while ago. But he has a show on Apple Beats Radio, and it, it's pretty crazy. And uh, a lot of people are calling him out now on it, saying you know, that he's a joke thief. And you know, he doesn't deserve the, this level of success that he's having. And, uh... Oh, wait a second. Hold on. Uh, hello? Hey, PF. Fat Jew here. Oh, hi. I was just talking about you. Yeah, yeah, I know. I listen to your podcast. Oh, well, I'm a little concerned, actually, but uh, also kind of flattered, I guess. Yeah, well, don't be. So, uh, what can I do for you? Uh, uh, should I call you Big Fat? Uh, I feel weird calling you Big Fat Jew or even Fat Jew. Actually, I'm thinking I'm changing my name. Oh, really? To what? Sinbad. Sounds pretty cool, huh? Um, yeah, well, um, well, well never mind. So, so what's up? Why, why'd you call? Well, I'm just wanting to get a few things straight about some things that people have been saying about me. That you're a joke thief? I'm an internet aggregator. Uh, is aggregator Yiddish for thief? <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. Hold on a second here. Uh, aggregator Yiddish for thief. Okay, got it. Hey, what are you doing? Uh, nothing. Uh, uh, look, BF, all of these people are saying about me, all this stuff, is just jealousy. You know, because I'm one wild and crazy guy. Well, people have some pretty convincing evidence out there that you've lifted a lot of your jokes, in fact, most of them, and have failed to give proper credit to people. Well, that's bull****. Uh, can I swear on here? Uh, sure, I usually bleep it out, but that's fine. Oh, I understand. Uh, you know, BF, there are actually seven words you can't say on radio or television. Did you know that? Uh, well, yes, as a matter of fact, I did know that. I made up a list of them. You want to hear it? No, no, that that's okay. I'm telling you, PF, these haters aren't going to affect me. They're not? Nope. In fact, I'm going to use it to my advantage. And how is that? Well, my new thing is I don't get no respect. You don't get no respect? Uh, that's right. I've got all kinds of great jokes about it. Yeah, I'm sure you do. Yep, well, I've got to run, PF. I've got a doctor's appointment I've got to get to. Well, nothing serious, I hope. Oh, no, no, no. It's just routine, the doctor said. Uh, you know my doctor, right, PF? Uh, I don't think so, maybe. Oh yeah, sure, Dr. Vinnie Boombots. Shoot, I'm running late. I must be off. Hey folks, remember this? 
Dear Joey, getting my hair done. Be back at 3.30. Please go to Lawson's and pick up bread, lunch meat, potato salad, and pop. And if you want... Or this? We have fresh ideas at Red Barn, like a salad bar for you. This is the third time my husband went back to the salad bar. Or how about this? Well, Home Shirts has all of your vintage apparel needs, recalling all the great brands and restaurants of yesteryear, particularly from the cities of Cincinnati, Cleveland, Indianapolis, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Milwaukee, and St. Louis, but also from brands around the country. Just head to homeshirts.com and check out all of our vintage apparel needs, including restaurants, stores, great sports teams. Check it out, and when you order specifically from Home Shirts Cleveland, we make a couple of bucks, and we really appreciate it. Merry-go-round. Unique fashions for guys and gals. Monroe Martin's a stand-up comedian originally from Philadelphia, PA. You may have seen him on the 2014 edition of Last Comic Standing. Here now is our interview with Monroe Martin. Hey, joining us on PF Reporter, it's Monroe Martin. Monroe, how you doing? You're walking the streets of New York City, are you? Yeah, I'm in Brooklyn. I'm there you go. The streets of Bedside, do that. Boy, Brooklyn, the home of uh, uh, of uh, hip rock and rollers and comedians. Yeah, hip hop rock and rollers. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's a, it seems to be the, the hip neighborhood. Everybody I know uh, lives in Brooklyn, or uh, like a lot of comedians I know that moved from Cincinnati uh, all ended up in Brooklyn. Because uh, Brooklyn was the cheapest part of New York, but now it's getting uh, really cool to live in Brooklyn, so I'm going up. So, where are you from originally? I'm originally from Philly. Ah, okay, a Philly guy. Very yeah. good. Yeah. So, uh, so were you a funny kid growing up then, or did your friends, you know, say? I, uh, I, wanna, I don't. I would say funny in the sense of like being goofy, like most kids are, but I don't think I was like. Uh, funny like I can sit down and write a joke but I knew what was funny I knew how to make my friends laugh uh-huh. I knew how to make people laugh in general like that's how I got that's how I stayed either in detention or <laughs> out of fight so what at that point did you see yourself doing with your life trying to be funny for a living somehow or oh never not at all I didn't uh, I didn't really suffer comedy as a possibility to, like to do anything so I hit like like 20 like before like Philly is a very uh, small town small town mentality so everybody they either just go to college graduate high like go to college get a job and then start a family so that's what I've seen for myself and uh, something made me start doing comedy I forgot what it was but something made me start doing comedy, and then stupidity kept me doing it. Huh. So what were you going to do with, uh, with your life before you figured comedy might be the better path? Well, I was in, I was in community college to do uh, social work. I was okay. going to be a social worker. Okay, I think, I think that kind of came up uh, when you were on Last Comic Standing. Yep. So that, that, kinda, that comes from a real place then. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Everything I talk about comes from a real place. Okay. I don't say anything frivolously. 
So, uh, you, so it, uh, it, do is there much embellishment, or is there or is a lot of it, you know, pretty? Because I know some guys will take, you know, the, there'll be a kernel of an idea that comes from a, an experience they had, and they'll really embellish it. And other people, they, there's no embellishing needed. They just tell it the way it happened, and it depends on what it is. Some things, in order for it to be funny, you may need to exaggerate it yeah. to like, because some things are just too harsh. You know, like uh, yeah, yeah, I grew up in foster care, but like if I told everybody. For years, I slept in the basement on a cot. No one would laugh. No. So you gotta make it. You gotta stretch the truth a little bit more past the point of reality, so it's funnier. So I, I imagine your sense of humor then, in the growing up, really helped you more than just you know making friends, but also helped you deal with a lot of like you know some some difficult times. Oh, definitely, definitely. Because you, uh, I just ended up like making everything funny in my head. No matter the situation, I always was able to laugh at it. And a lot of people, a lot of normal people growing up, outside my friends, would think that was like a messed up thing to do. They're like, this is serious. Why can't you see the seriousness in it? Seriousness in it? And I'm like, I can see how, I can see the severity. I just don't care to, to face it for what it is. I'd rather look at it and laugh at it. Yeah, well, that's um, that's a pretty good attitude to have, I guess, and that everybody could probably learn from from that kind of attitude. Yeah. Um. So when you got picked for Last Comic Standing, I understand that you know it was the first year they started actually um, not so much having auditions, but more like recruiting people. Uh, how did they discover you? Uh, I I had like a couple people talking about me. Uh, my managers they brought it up to the producers, and I think they sent in the tape. And then uh, one of my mentors, he uh, he talked to somebody, and they were like, "All right, I guess we do got to check out this person." And I didn't let anybody down. And, and can you mention who your mentor was? Keith Robinson. Okay. And uh, nah. so at that point in your career, you were you were headlining, but were you working mostly like up on the East Coast, or were you um, on the road? No, in that part of my career, I was. Uh, I was only headlining at colleges. I wasn't headlining oh, okay. colleges at all. Oh, okay. But, uh, so I was still new to the game. Like, I've only been doing it going on nine years. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I when I started the show, I was uh, opening up for Keith. And oh, I was okay. headlining my own college show. But that was, like, how I was making money and stuff like that. But afterwards, after last time, like, I started headlining clubs on my own. So, did you enjoy the college gigs? Because some people really like them, and some people are like, "eh." It, you know, it can be kind of a grind. You're in a diff- doing a different it's, place every night. It's it'll be better. Colleges are a little fun now for me because one, they got to pay me a lot more money, and two, yeah. uh, things have to be right before I get there. Uh, so, when I first started doing it, you just show up. Sound system isn't set up. Uh, people don't even know there's a comedy show going on, any of that stuff. But now, uh, since I've done Last Comic and I've done Guy Code, those shows are a little bit more of a draw. So my agent doesn't even send me out to those colleges if they don't have things set up already when we get there. So what, what would be the biggest difference? So it's between, easier. Yeah, what would be the difference between you know headlining a club and doing you know one of those one-off college gigs? Or is there a difference? Or are you just you know with the club you're just doing your set you know? A couple times. Uh, uh, it's more important to a person at a comedy club than it is to a kid in college. Kid in college isn't paying for the paying for that show, 
plus it doesn't take place on the weekend. It's like a Thursday or Wednesday for them, and it's uh, just something to do. It's just a part of the college experience. Yeah. People who come to comedy clubs, these are working people. The purple, these are people who work for their money and spend their money on things that will make them happier. So they, they're a little bit more alert. They, it's more important to them to laugh, and they're listening. And, it's a, and for some people, this is their night out. For college folks, after this, they're just going to go back to their dorm room and play Xbox or yeah. drink and touch each other. Now, do you find there's kind of a comedy uh, a fan base there, though, in colleges? I've noticed, some comics have noticed lately that they get to the colleges and people actually know who they are, uh, you know. Mm -hmm. And so you're finding that there's a good, uh, I mean, like, it is a night out for them, but is there other, isn't there also an element of college kids there that are actually, that are there to see the comedy and know who you are? Oh, definitely, definitely, definitely. A lot of college kids know me from Guy Code. Now, I'm Guy Code in this show called Joking Off, which are both on MTV, too. Okay. And I get there, and kids are, like, excited to see me. They know, they don't know my work as a stand-up comic. They know my work as a, a, a personality on a show. Oh, okay. So they just know, they just know I'm funny. So to them, hearing me do stand-up, it's a, it's a treat for some of them, for the ones who do know me. Yeah. But the ones who don't know me, like I said, it's just like, oh, this was the Wednesday, and I'd rather be doing this instead of doing homework. <laughs> yeah, but um, <laughs> but you're kind of well. I see it got nine years in. I guess you're sort of still close to their age. Uh, do you you know do you do you find you're able to connect with them on that level? Because I know after a while, some comedians say, well, once you've been out of that age range for a while, you know they have different experiences than you do, and it's kind of hard to connect. I try. I find it easier to connect now because I'm not. College students are still a little. They're still smart. They're just sensitive. And if you can find a, a way to talk about the issues that really affect them, in a, in a in a cool little way, it's all right. Like you can still talk about racism because a lot of kid, a lot oh, of college yeah. kids still go through racist things in school. You can still talk about. Uh, gay marriage and all that stuff because those kids are they're finding themselves and those topics are helping them understand what's going on outside of those dorms and outside of those campuses. So do you do a lot of like current events type of stuff in your normal set? Because I know you really couldn't do that on Last Comic Standing because you know you don't you never know how that stuff's going to go over in, a, in an environment like that. But do you do more of that stuff in the club environment? You have some more room to stretch your legs. Oh uh, yes, definitely. You got an hour. And an hour, I can't just talk about how I grew up in an hour because those people, they want to they want to know that I'm in touch with what's going on in their lives, too. So I talk about uh, current events. I talk about everything. So what are your, like, favorite... I really use the hour to explore, you know? Yeah, so apart from the autobiographical stuff, what's kind of your favorite stuff to talk about these days? My favorite stuff to talk about these days, because everything still turns uh, ties into autobiographical stuff. Yeah. I still like talking about racism. I still talk. I still like talking about the uh, how like people were, were still like concerned with the next man's business and stuff like that. I like to talk about that because that still ties into what I've been through. Like I talk about race a little bit more because. Growing up in foster care, growing up in group homes, believe it or not, I never dealt with that. Because oh, wow. foster kids, no matter if they're white or black or Puerto Rican or whatever, we still understand that we're the same because we're in the same exact position. 
just because you're white doesn't mean you're better than me. We were both in this same group home. We're both being treated the same exact way. So racism wasn't an issue for me growing up. Interesting. So I talk about that, yeah. So when was like the first time you realized, hey, wait a minute, (laughs) there might be a problem here? Uh, what do you mean? Well, as far as the, you know, as far as racism kind of being more at the forefront of your thinking, because you said you you know it wouldn't be it isn't as obvious as you, that surprises me that you know in a, a an environment uh, like that 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 wouldn't come up. But then yeah, that makes sense. But then once you got out of that, when did you realize? Oh wow, there's people that or don't like people for the dumbest reasons. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I still I was a very observant child, so I still well I still recognize that from how I heard other people talk. Like I still uh, have okay. friends. Growing up, that like outside of when I like outside of group homes, like friends that I had, like when I started going to high school, oh, and okay. I would listen to how they talked and perceived a white kid and versus themselves. And I, and I, I, at first I couldn't understand it, but then I started trying to look at it, at it from their perspective. I'm going, okay, for them, yes, maybe this is an issue, this is something that's beaten to their heads. That they that they're different by color and this that and the third, and I, I really noticed that in high school, just from hearing people interact with each other and seeing how they they dealt with each other. Because one of my best friends went to a Catholic school all his life, and uh, he had white friends, but my other friends didn't have white friends. So they kind of, to them, whenever we went to hang out and my uh, best friend brought his white friends from Catholic school, you will watch the switch. You will watch how they start to, you will watch how my black friends started acting around the white friend, um, around his white friends. And they'll switch all based off a of perception of how these groups of people are. Oh, wow. And, yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. So what kind of different things would they do? Just in, what they talked about or the way they talked? Simple stuff. Like the way they do, they're called code switching. So the way they go from, yo, what up, bro, what's going on, how you talk to your regular friends and how either they're hammered up, yeah. meaning they'll go extra harder to, be, <laughs> to try to overcompensate yeah. for what they're not. Like they'd be extra gangster or they'll be <laughs> extra reserved, like, hey, how's everything? Huh. You know? That's funny. It would be funny to watch that with my friends. Wow. And then even the white guys watching them kind of like, uh, like we wouldn't do, we went to a lot of like, parties together and want the white guys really try to like you know tilt their hat to the side or pour their jeans down a little bit more and stuff like that and yeah. just to watch them everybody try to fit in because that's what this is everyone is trying to fit in and if you can't fit in you're gonna make the other group feel bad yeah that's funny yeah um so do you think you would have made yeah because you sound pretty you say you're observant you're uh you have a lot of empathy do you you, you reckon you would have made a good social worker uh, yes, I think I would have made a great social worker. Just because I had such a shitty social worker. Wait, can I curse? Yeah, yeah, good. <laughs> Knock yourself out. Uh, yeah, I had such a terrible social worker. I had two social workers. My first social worker committed suicide when I was younger. Oh, my God. And my second social worker was this terrible. He was uh, a Nigerian guy who just kept going back to Africa. That's what he did. I never, I rarely seen him. Huh. Every time I uh, went to call his office, they'd be like, oh, yeah, he went back home uh, for a little while to Africa. He's on vacation, blah, blah, blah. So, and whenever he did come back to the States, uh, he would just move me from another home. So, so I, I had that example. I was like, I'm never going to be that. 
whatever I decide to do with social work, I'm never going to be him. So I'm, I'm not really familiar with the process. So you, you just assign somebody and they, they try to keep them with you like through your adolescence until you're 18 or is it just, how does Yeah, that... yeah, yeah. The goal is the, uh, the social worker is supposed to work with the, the family. So the social worker works with, uh, if there's a dad, the social worker works with the dad and the kids. If there's a mom or whatever, they work on rehabilitation. So they work on reunifying that family so that way they can get together and become a functioning family in society. Now, some social workers, they want to keep a job. So they'll just prolong that stage as long as possible so they can continue getting the check. And I think that's what he was doing uh, because um, my mom, she was in, like, different programs and stuff like that. And they'll have her, like, bounce around. And at the same time, they'll have me bounce around in, like, different homes and stuff. And I wasn't a bad kid. He just, uh, I get it. He just wanted to look like he was doing something. Oh, I see. So, if I mean, you uh-huh. could have you could have been left in a good situation, but he had to make a move just to make it look like he was, so he was earning his paycheck? Yeah, like, I oh, was wow. definitely, I, I was some foster homes where it was great. Like, my relationship with the parent was awesome. Uh... I was getting good grades in school. I was had good friends, and then, uh, like maybe like a year later, it'll go. All right, let's try this another place. Let's go to this place, and it'll be like a an inverse. It'd totally be a flip, and I wouldn't like it. And my behavior would show. Oh wow! Either I was distant, or distant, or I wouldn't really talk to them, and stuff like that. Hmm. But once I got older, once I hit like sixteen. I think I started being more independent. Like I, my friends got me a job at McDonald's and I would just save my money and buy things I like and me and my friends would go partying like on the weekend and on a weekday I would just, I joined this after school program where I, uh, I could also, also like raise money to like put, uh, like to start a bank account and stuff like that. So oh, wow. I did whatever I needed to do to yeah. stay away from home. Oh, okay. In the right way. Right, I was going to say, yeah. In the right but, way. But not, yeah. yeah. Not, Instead not, of running away, I'm like, I'm going to make some money, I'm going to make some friends, I'm going to gain some experiences. Hmm. And do you ever uh, come into contact or run into the people, the families you stayed with where you had the good experiences? Never, never, never. I've never seen hmm. any of them ever again or heard from them. Which is weird because the ones I didn't like, you hear from them. <laughs> you hear from them on Facebook. They're like, hey. they're like, oh, I'm so glad you're doing good. I was like, I, you don't even care. Why do you even care? Huh. I, yeah, that's strange because you always hear, you know, there's different people. A lot of, I guess there's the uh, the perception a lot of foster uh, people get into the just be, just just for the money and don't really, and yeah. the other people do get into it because they, they do care and, you know, it's regardless of the money and, uh, wow, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I was with a mixture. I was definitely, I wouldn't say that, that uh, I'm not going to say all of them are bad because I definitely had the, the, the fortune of living with some really awesome people. And I also had the fortune of living with some really terrible people. So I knew how great the awesome people were. Ah, okay. Very good. You know? Yeah. yeah. So what do you ultimately want to do with your comedy? Continue doing stand up and doing bigger rooms or maybe uh, doing kind of TV work, movie work, write a book? I want to do it all, man. I want to do it all. I want to, uh, I want to move on to theaters. So I'm doing whatever I need to do to kind of move on to theaters broaden in my audiences, broaden in my topics, 
uh, trying to stay on, not trying to stay on television, but just trying to stay in the eye to gain more audiences. But yeah, I want to, I want to start producing my own, my own, not producing my own content now, but I want to kind of like, like start working on a show of my own, you know, start putting my friends on, start building, uh, a legacy for myself. Oh, there you go. Yeah, kind of build your own yeah. your own world in the comedy business. Yeah. So, are you still friendly with the, the, some of the folks you're on uh, on Last Comic Standing with? Oh, definitely, definitely. Uh, uh, I see I see Joe Mackey a lot because me and him both work at the Comedy Cellar. Okay. And uh, we see each other. We we were friends before the show, so that's pretty cool. Oh, okay. uh, Lachlan, I see him whenever he comes to New York or whenever I go to LA. But it's funny because me and Lachlan have been doing the same exact comedy clubs, just at different uh, time periods. Yeah, yeah that's like so like we, we kind of talk about that. And yeah, that's pretty much it. But a lot of people I know from last comic, like um, that most people really don't remember on the show. I'm super cool with like my friend. Uh, Chloe, that's my roommate. She's on the show. She okay. does stuff for Comedy Central. Uh, Yamanika, she was also on the show. She uh, she's on the show on on like Oprah's Network or something like that. Oh, okay. Wow. Like you know, so they're all working. But the top five, which people want to care, I don't really know unless it's like Joe Mackey or uh, uh, Lachlan. I don't really. Uh, okay. Know anybody like that? But, and you enjoying traveling yeah. around the country then? Because I guess it's given you more of an opportunity, you know, apart from colleges, to travel around and actually be, you know, in cities instead of being on a campus in another city. Oh, definitely, definitely. I uh, I really enjoy it. I go sightsee. I do my best to soak it all in because that's all. That's always what I wanted. No matter what I would have done with my life, I still would have tried to save up my money and like see the world. Because a lot of people. Don't know how much like great stuff we have in your own backyard. So, I oh, love yeah. go, I, I love like traveling and and just seeing these little these little towns and seeing their culture and stuff like that and meeting different people. Well, cool, man. Well, great. Sounds like things are going really well for you then. Things are going great. I cannot complain. <laughs> cool, man. All right. Well, hope we'll get you down here in Cincinnati uh, sometime soon as well, which is where I am. Because I don't think you've been here yet, have you? Apart from I that. haven't, I haven't been to the Natty. Is natty. that what they call it? The they Natty, do. the, the, the natty. natty, the Natty, the Queen City. We got a couple of different nicknames for the for the town. But yeah, I think uh, yeah, uh, folks would, would dig your action here. So um, okay, yeah, and so this will be in City Pages, of course, the week that you're in uh, Minneapolis, in print and online, so you can look for it in both places. And um, okay, yeah. Well, thanks for taking the time, man. All right, thank you. All right, good talking to you. All right, All right bye. Thanks again to Monroe Martin for being on the show. You can find out about all things Monroe Martin at MonroeMartinComedy.com. That's where he'll post all his tour dates and so forth. He doesn't have any uh, posted right now, but I'm sure if you go there in a couple of weeks, he'll have some. I can only assume he's working on something in New York or California that's taking up all of his time. He's a very funny young man. We are going to skip the usual credits this week and head right to the song of the week. I found this one on NPR, strangely enough, although I, I find a lot of uh, music on NPR, not normally on like the All Songs Consider or anything like that, but usually it's like background music for stories. But this one uh, they did a review of. Uh, a young lady's name is Lindy Ortega, and it's one of these ones that just went right under my radar. This is like her sixth album. 
It's called Faded Gloryville, and uh, oddly, she actually started on the same label. Well, she's still on this label, but uh, Lights, our friend Lights, good friend of the show, started on this label. Yes, Lindy Ortega is Canadian, but uh, that's not why I like her. And uh, the funny thing is, on um, NPR, they were saying that she, she looks goth, but she sings country. Well, half of that is true. She sings, I would say, countrified uh pop alternative triple a music but she isn't necessarily goth i think if you had like a, a, a modern day western like say quentin Car- quentin tarantino made a western or something like that uh she would be the heroine in this movie she would look like that dresses a lot in black and you know, black lace but it still looks very western it's more western than country i guess <laughs> she plays both kinds country and western uh, anyway uh so we uh, the song of the week here the the single from her album is uh called ashes but as they were playing clips from some of the other tunes on the album uh, during the NPR review, uh, this one really stuck with me. It call, it's called I Ain't That Girl, and uh, it is our song of the week here on PFT Recorder. I think you're really going to dig it. And uh, you, should, you should be digging every song of the week, of course, I hope. But uh, here is Lindy Ortega with the song of the week, I Ain't That Girl, on PFT Recorder. So long, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. 